Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, this is Nick Coya with the Portage County Safety Council and the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. We just finished our monthly luncheon and we had a guest speaker today, Lieutenant Coffey from the Kent Fire Department. Welcome, Lieutenant. Well, thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming out. Your presentation today on fire safety was very informative and gave me a lot of things to think about that I think our listeners could really benefit from. So one of the things that I thought about as you initially started your presentation were, what are the top three violations that I might find in the workplace that I should be thinking about myself. All right. So typically what we see in workplace is uh, electrical violations, people plugging too many things in to outlets. They have unfused cube adapters plugged in. They might be using extension cords they shouldn't in place of a permanent wiring. So electrical is the number one cause of problems. The second would be exits being obstructed. People can't get out or they forget that a door is a second exit out of a space and they put something in front of it because it's a convenience issue. And then third is storage issues. We typically have storage that's too close to the ceiling, or it might be obstructing sprinkler heads, or it might be even obstructing the egress path. Yeah, you know, I often find as I do walks the the blocked egress doors, Mm -hmm. and and oftentimes businesses are trying to have security features in place, and they put deadbolts or additional locks on those, and they don't realize that you can't do that. It blocks that egress to get out. Exactly. So in Ohio, the code reads that you have to have a single operation to open a door. So if you're in a place of assembly, you have to have the panic hardware on the door. If you're in a business, you can have a lever action type door that uh, requires one motion to get out. So you can't undo a deadbolt and hit the latch. It has to be one single motion. Now, you can have the deadbolts that are integrated into the lock set actuate when the lever is moved on the door. And if you have that, that's legal. As long as it's one action for those folks to get out, it doesn't take any special knowledge. Speaking of violations, if I own a business, how do I best prepare for a fire inspection in my facility? Well, if you're in the city of Kent, we have what we call a pre-inspection checklist that we will send out to the business so they can prepare and walk themselves through the business ahead of time and look for violations. That's not an all-encompassing list because we can't possibly put everything down for every business because they're all a little bit different, but it's a good starting point. It gets you looking at exit signs and egress lighting and fire extinguishers, and if you have life safety systems like a sprinkler system or a fire alarm system. It encourages you to look at the expiration dates on your service tags. Those should be getting checked once a year. So hopefully you're keeping up on those things. And if not, it gives you time to prepare before we come in to do an inspection. And we're always open with our businesses. We'd like to work with them and we encourage them to give us a call and ask questions so that we can help them through the process. You know, annual inspections are are a nice thing, but really from a safety standpoint, we should continually be looking around our facility. Absolutely. And I encourage my safety professionals and committees uh, with the businesses I work with to at least do a monthly audit. Mm -hmm. So what are some fire safety pieces they could do during that monthly audit? So monthly, especially in facilities, you should be looking at to make sure egress paths aren't getting blocked by employees in their normal process, just using different things that might get put in an egress path that shouldn't be there. Uh, or you might have excessive stock that's come in that's accidentally been stored somewhere. Uh, you should be looking at your fire extinguishers once a month to make sure they're charged and they're in the right location. They haven't been damaged. You know, also, you need to be looking at different aspects of your business. If things have changed, do you have to change your egress paths? Have you, you know, Has a new exit been put in somewhere? Do we need to revise that plan? Or have we added something else in our facility that wasn't there last year? Or 
it's just something that came up as part of your normal routine and you didn't think it impacted your life safety function, but it did. So it's important to review those things on a, a monthly basis if you can and at least annually at a minimum so that you know it's not just something that's stacked on the shelf. You know, monthly inspections are great for a company, but I have a lot of small business owners too Mm -hmm. that just don't understand all the requirements. You know, owning a business in the United States requires a lot of different things. It does. And and we don't always know all those pieces. And one of those are the annual inspections that we have to have done in our facility. Mm -hmm. What are some of those pieces that those small businesses should be aware of? So if they have a sprinkler system in their building, it has to be tested annually by a licensed contractor. If they have a fire alarm system, that same thing applies. Again, licensed in the state of Ohio. Uh, Those systems need to be tested on an annual basis to make sure they're functioning properly. Fire extinguishers have to be checked by a licensed facility once a year as well. So monthly, your employees can check those to make sure they're charged and ready to go, but annually they have to be serviced by a licensed contractor. You know, we like to keep people safe at work, but we also know employees are our best assets, Mm -hmm. and so we want to protect them at home. What are some suggestions? Where should I store fire extinguishers in my house to make sure I'm safe? Well, the two most likely areas that you're going to need them at home are going to be in your garage and your kitchen. Your kitchen is probably the primary area. So we encourage you to have at least one fire extinguisher in the home. We'd like to see one on every level, but if you can only afford one, place it in the kitchen where you're most likely to have that problem and have it accessible. Don't bury it in a cabinet where you can't get to it. Have it out if you can. You can store it in a cabinet, but make sure it doesn't get blocked by other things and know where it is and how to use it. You know, here in Ohio, it's it's been warm the past few weeks. Uh, it's summertime, but right around the corner is winter. And with yes. winter comes my favorite topic of space heaters. <laughs> uh, I find these everywhere I go. Offices right. are common for these. Exactly. What are the requirements uh, for having these in my office space? So if you're going to have it at your workplace, it has to be a UL rated uh, device for commercial use. You can't use a residential space heater um, in the workplace. So then part of that UL requirement is to have tip over protection. And that shuts off the heating element and the fan so when it does tip over, it doesn't continue to work because we don't want it to cause a fire. You also have to have three feet of space all around that heating appliance. So that includes on top of it and all around the sides. And when we talk to the kids in the schools, we show them a yardstick and have them lay it down on the floor and show them how far three feet is. That's something you can do as well at your home. You can take something like that and lay it around and make sure you have enough clearance. You know, curtains are probably the number one thing they get plugged in by the wall, and then the curtains get hot and catch fire. So you, know, you need to have it away from the wall at work. We don't want it under your desk because that's going to violate that three-foot rule. And, you know, while our legs are going to be nice and toasty warm under that desk, we walk away from it or forget and leave it on for the weekend. Things can get very hot under that desk. So our small little office cubicles are probably not the place for a space heater. Probably not. We need to have it out in the room and have it aimed towards your desk at that point so you're a little bit safer and you stay warm. I like the yardstick. I'm going to start carrying one of those when I do my inspections. <laughs> You know, so what is the leading cause of fire here in the United States? What are we seeing the main cause of fire? Electrical problems are the leading cause. People are overloading circuits or plugging too many things in to power strips and things like that that don't belong. You know, appliances need to go directly to wall outlets, not into power strips. Low voltage devices like your computer, your cell phone charger, printers, things like that can go into power strips. You know, we want those large items to go directly to their own dedicated wall outlet so that breaker can work for us in the circuit panel. So it's probably a good practice to unplug electrical equipment that we're not using, too. Absolutely. If it's not in use, unplug it, then you can't have a problem with it. You know, there's a lot of safety features and things today, but, you know, and it's also an electrical drain that you're paying for even when it's not in use, when that cord's plugged in, so it's running up to that switch. So you're running up your electrical bill, believe it or not. So if you can unplug something, you're going to save yourself money and be safer. Yeah, you know, one of my big concerns is, and I learned this in my household myself, is phone chargers. Uh, oh, one night, my wife unplugged her phone charger. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we didn't go to bed right away. We still were watching TV. Mm-hmm. 
and she smelled something burning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't smell it. I was on the other side of the living room. About two minutes later, I did. Mm-hmm. Started looking around, and the cell phone charger had bent, and it was molding itself to the couch. Yes. Had we gone to bed, right. we probably would have lost the house that day. Exactly. And how often do people rush out of the office on Friday and drop that phone cord right under the carpet? We see that a lot more now. There's a lot more phone chargers out there, and we see those shorting out. So if you have a break in the cord at all, please replace it before it becomes an issue. Encourage people not to charge uh, phones on their bed. Don't put them on a pillow. Don't lay them on a covers. That phone needs to dissipate heat. And when it's on cover, you know, on bedding like that or even on a couch, it can't dissipate that heat and it generates heat and it can catch fire. So make sure those are out sitting on a counter or a nice flat surface. They can be nice and cool when they're charging. If you get any breaks in that cable, throw it away and get another one. They don't cost that much. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming out and presenting today and talking on the podcast. You're quite welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And everyone, be safe. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.